This episode is brought to you by the Women's Network. I think that's something that I've really started to notice as I get older is, hmm, you weren't really talking to me two weeks ago. Oh, but now my hair is straight and now all you want to do is have conversation. Interesting. And and I just, I think that that's something a lot of people don't have to deal with is the treatment um, that you get when your hair is different. And, and, and same thing with professionalism, Naomi brought this up as, you know, having, you know, box braids or, you know, wearing your curly hair out. Mm, that's a little bit, you know, having locks in the office. Sometimes that, that people perceive that as quote unquote unprofessional. So then my question is, well, what do you want me to do? Would you like me to shave my head? Would you like to pay for my appointment at a salon to get my hair straightened? Because if so, add that into my paycheck if that's what the requirement is. Because I'm just being me, baby. <laughs> I'm just gonna come to the office looking like me, and that's all, period. Hey everyone, it's Jamie, your host, and welcome back to Redefining Ambition. A few weeks ago, four of our members, Jaren, Naomi, Alexis, and Kafwi, virtually sat down and discussed some of their experiences on what it's like to be Black on a college campus. If you haven't already listened to that two-part episode series, I highly recommend you do so before proceeding to listen to this episode on their realities of Black beauty standards. I really hope you enjoy this episode. So introductions. Hi, my name is Alexis. I am a rising sophomore at Columbia University. I'm a pre-med student majoring in neuroscience and behavior, potentially minoring in either public health or something along those lines. Hey, y'all. I'm Kafui. Um, Kafui Wasu. I just graduated Syracuse University with a double major in management and entrepreneurship and a minor in Spanish. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Jaren. I go to the University of Southern California. I am a rising junior studying communications with a minor in saxophone and music industry. Hi, my name is Naomi Lestage. I'm also a student at University of Southern California. I am a rising sophomore with a major in game programming with a minor in architecture and potentially marketing. I just wanted to say for this episode in particular, I feel like it's going to be a lot more personal, at least for me, than the other one. I know we talked about some heavy hitting topics last time, but I think the experience of being like a Black woman and talking about beauty standards really hits home in a different way because it's something that becomes like engraved in your identity from such a young age. And it's something that you can never really get rid of. I think because we're women, our image is often intertwined with every single thing we do, no matter what. And because of that, the way we're seen by others impacts how we view ourselves to a whole different degree that I didn't really anticipate as a little girl. I definitely agree with you, Alexis, this this episode being a little bit more personal because not only are we women, but we're also Black women. So we kind of have a double whammy. Like we have our race and then our our gender as well. Or at least like growing up, it's, it's you know, it's really hard you know, with like society usually preferring like Eurocentric beauty, or at least that's what I used to always put myself at a standard towards until, you know, recently when I started to think like, why am I putting myself at a standard for something that I, that doesn't even look like me. I used to do like um, things like when I was younger, going on Google and typing in, you know, beautiful woman or how to be pretty and it usually came up with usually like lighter skinned women or if they are black like preferably light skinned women with you know straight hair and you know that's not a problem like you they are beautiful but it's also it, it makes that young black girl feel like hey you're not you're not worth it because your skin is a little darker like you we were given a little melanin at birth and you're automatically ugly and that really isn't the case I agree and I think it's it's kind of crazy when you think back to like the root history of like this beauty standard and like stereotype of black women. It literally stems back to like slavery and colonization when, you know, darker skins, um, women had to work in the fields, lighter skinned slaves got to work in the houses and like anyone that kind of was seen as light was seen to be closer to the standard of being like white and they were able to pass, which at the time was beneficial to them, obviously. And you can't fault anybody for that, but it's been like so passed down and ingrained even within the own kind of black culture and black society that if you're lighter than 
then like things will go better for you. Or if you're lighter, like you're automatically going to have pretty privilege. You're automatically going to open doors that if you're darker, you might not. And I think it's just something that you're right. Like you don't think about when you're younger, like no little girl is really like, oh, like look at the color of my skin when you're really young. But when you get to, even by the time like you're like six or seven or eight, especially now with like the social media, like watching my little cousins grow up and like, they're like, oh, like, am I pretty? Or, oh, like, do you, I don't look like that singer. Like, I don't look like that famous person. And it's mind boggling. Cause I don't even think like our generation realized it. Cause we didn't have that much access to like on social media or like on shows they like are getting constant bombarded of images that don't look like them every day and that's just so damaging to somebody's like self-worth and self-image to be consistently told like you're not the standard like you're not good enough and I think it's definitely something that all industries perpetuate because they can know that they can make money off of consistently selling this one image of black women in acting in movies you have like the stereotype of like the angry black girl the loud black girl like the dark skin sidekick who's not wanted by boys who's not wanted and that is also a selling feature that people can then be like oh here's our skin lightening cream if you use this then guess what like you'll have popularity you'll have the boys you'll have whatever yeah. or like oh if you straighten your hair you can be pretty too you can like do whatever you want and it's just something that like we should all be proud of like the skin that we're in we should all be proud of what we look like our hair texture our facial patterns our Africanist like features but it's hard and it's consistently hard living in a world that does not want to accept our features as beautiful yeah I think even thinking about like this the classic microaggression that's you're pretty for a black girl and so like that that would always that really plagued me when I was in middle school and it was something that, like, when I was that young, I was always like, why just for a black girl? Like, why can't I just be pretty because I'm pretty? And why does it have to be this, like, this scale of, like, okay, well, you're up to the standards for a black girl, but you'll never be as pretty as a white woman. Mm-hmm. And having those two sides, it's like, why, why can't I just be beautiful? Why can't I just look the way I am and be the way I am and everybody accept me for that? Why does it have to be this certain standard that's set apart from white women or Asian women? Um, there's like a standard for black women. And I just, I was never able to grasp why that had to be. And over time, I've, I've realized that it's, you know, it's rooted in the systems that we built in Catholic. You, you talked about this and how it goes all the way back to slavery and how there are just different systems that are built and different um, understandings of what it means to be black and what it means to be white. And that has affected us as, you know, 20 somethings, you know, all the way from the 1600s. And it, it hasn't ended, but it, you know, there's less of it now. But I mean, it still is very prevalent in the beauty standards of today and not being good enough or not being hot enough or whatever, just because you just because you're a woman, it has to be because you're a black woman. And that's something I feel like we're starting to come around from. But it's also something that I think still needs a lot of work. Yeah, to go off of what both of you put so wonderfully it's scary to think about how things have gotten better but that's only a testament to how horrible things have always been and how we're nowhere near where we need to be in the future I grew up a dancer I did ballet ever since I was three years old like as soon as the studio would take me my mom sent me to the studio and even though I went to a predominantly black dance studio I still grew up in the ballerina culture of wanting to look as dainty and frail and strong. Dancers look very strong. I'm not attacking dancer bodies at all. Like there are so many different types of beautiful women, but I always felt like I had to conform to a particular standard of what was viewed as beautiful. And that always included being of a more a more lithe frame of having lighter features, of having hair that pulled back into that tight little bun super easily. And it got to me at a very young age, being super conscious of my weight, which I think a lot of women and even some men, no matter their race, I feel like there's always such critique over the shapes of our bodies in general. But I feel like Black women's bodies are policed so heavily where if you don't have a supermodel frame and you don't have the perfect curvy everything in the right places waist is as thin as a wasp and then your your hips are super wide then you're just automatically deemed as 
ghetto, ratchet, not fit, not beautiful, not worthy of any attention or any appreciation from anyone around you. And I was going to say that I think things are getting a lot better in the entertainment industry. But then I think about what happened with Straight Outta Compton with the whole casting call list. Have you guys seen it or heard about it? Yeah. Yeah. So with Straight Outta Compton, I kind of have it pulled up. They were looking for extras in the movie and they split the girls that they wanted into categories A, B, C, and D. And A girls were the hottest of the hot. I'm reading off the thing right now. Models, must have real hair, no extensions, very classy looking, great bodies, can be black, white, Asian, Hispanic, mid-Eastern, or mixed race to age 18 to 30. And then the B girls, these are fine girls, long, natural hair, really nice bodies, small waist, nice hips, you should be light-skinned, Beyonce is the prototype here, age 18. So Imagine I think it's Beyonce funny. being Beyonce's a B-girl. A B-girl. <laughs> Not even <laughs> Beyonce's the Second B-girl. Hand. Right. And then the C-girls, it says, these are African-American girls, medium to light-skinned, with a weave, age 18 to 30. And then the D-girls are African-American girls, poor, not in good shape, medium to dark skin tone. So... And when did Straight Outta Compton come out? 2015? Yeah. This is so recent to think that things like this are still happening. And kind of going off of what you said, Jaren, even growing up, I thought maybe I will be able to appreciate my own beauty, but it's still going to be capped off. Where even if I feel like I'm beautiful for my skin tone, that doesn't compare to the lighter girl over there or the girl with the longer, curlier hair over there. Mm -hmm. I always felt like, almost with those A, B, C, D categories because it's been engraved in our culture and in our entertainment for so long that you can only ever get to the top of your personal ladder, but that ladder doesn't apply to what's accepted by society as a whole. I definitely, I I really understand what Alexis is coming from with that. Like I didn't grow up ballet per se, but I did do like dance and cheerleading for a very long time. And, you know, I grew up in a mainly predominantly black area in Brooklyn, but even, even though everyone was black, I still had to deal with colorism and tokenism, even with the black men I used to work with. I remember um, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty brown, like for, for my complexion and, I remember for cheerleading, they used to say, oh, you got to go in the back. They're like, you're not as, they're like, you're not what we want to see. They're like, you have the body, but like your skin is not really it. I'm like, you, you're really categorizing me by my skin. The girls in the front, like the front, even I knew the routine, like the back of my head. They're like, yeah, they're like, you even have that fake hair in your head. Like just because something's fake doesn't mean it's like I bought it. It is my hair regardless. Yep. Really don't. And I, what, I, what I hate the most is not that I'm, I'm in college. I'm a sophomore in college. I see everyone when, when I was in middle school, I used to wear long nails. I used to like grow up my nails really long. I used to decorate it myself. I used to wear heavy jewelry. People used to call me ghetto. And, you know, because that wasn't, it wasn't trending, but now that everything's trending now, long nails is a trend wearing big jewelry oh that's cute it's a trend but five eight years ago it wasn't like that you guys were calling me calling me ghetto but as soon as someone else who isn't black does the same thing oh it's cute it's fun you just have to do it correctly and what I absolutely hate the most my on when I was on campus even though I was on campus for a pretty short time because of corona I had a couple of people there at they would ask me questions like hey, is it okay if I put on box braids? Like, we're friends, right? Like, why do you need to feel the need to ask me something like that? If my, if you're, if you really have to ask me like that, you're extremely ignorant, regardless. And I really hated that I had to cut people off at my short time on campus because I have, to, I don't want to deal with, with someone like that in my life. I don't know if you guys get what I mean. I do. I like, do. feeling like you have to be the one to give permission to your white friends to do certain things and feeling like you're the one where like it's almost like you're the gatekeeper towards their own appropriation which in a way is very it's a tiring spot to be in and it's painful emotionally to think about because a lot of these people I feel like they don't have like bad intentions going into it they genuinely want to know is it okay if I do this is it okay if I do that but then again 
you think about when you're asking these people this, I don't know, Naomi, like I've been asked since I was like in middle school, my friends are like, can I get cornrows? Like, would that be bad? And who are you to ask like a 12 year old, whether or not you can do something just because they're black? It's not anyone's place in a way. Yeah, I definitely get what you mean by by that too. Like, that's why I personally, I even though I do like games for my for my um, schoolwork, I study game design. At the side, I like I prefer like makeup and beauty because it is a way for me to like express myself, or at least to like love myself in a way, forgive myself of all the transgressions and all the things I've done to myself. I when I was younger, you know, I grew up in a Caribbean household and you know, a black area. I'm t- I used to go to the night SS store and I used to bleach my skin, like scrub my skin with bleach. And I even tried bleaching my hair because I wanted my hair to blow in the wind. I wanted to feel pretty. I've done so much, so many things to my skin. I really thank God I haven't broken out or anything from it. But the amount of damage I've done to myself mentally and emotionally is completely exhausting. So I've taken to makeup and even within the makeup industry, some companies are really trying to use me for tokenism and it's like do I do this for exposure or do I really have to sit here and like stay true to my own values like do I want to be a token for this company I don't want people who are of my own race to think oh why are you doing that you're I don't want to be the gateway to, for my own people but I don't want to stop myself from opportunities I don't know if you guys get what I mean by that yeah I think on I think that if you have the intention of helping this company with its reach and not in a way that like they have, they have to come to you with the intention of how can we better suit the black community? What are, what is, what is our makeup line doing that is not um, thinking of and helping black women and black men with their makeup looks, hair looks, clothing, whatever it is. Is there a way that is there anything you can tell us, like saying if they're talking to you, Naomi, is there something you can tell us or or bring to light for us that we're not seeing that can help us better cater to the black community and using I feel like um, that is almost a better route than just using a black person to advertise a product without the intention of actually reaching the black community. I think that that's where things start to become tokenism because you don't have the intention of actually helping the person that you're using as a model. You just want it to look like, oh, we have diversity. Check the box and we move on and great. We did our part. You know, we were inclusive. Look at us. But you're not because it's just the visual. You're not you're not doing it behind the scenes. You're only doing it on your advertisement. You're only doing it on your website. And I think that's where companies really need to look into themselves and see, hmm, maybe I'm not asking the right questions. Maybe I'm not thinking of the right products here. You know, almost like skincare, everybody's skin is different. Everybody, some people have oily skin, some people have dry skin. Same with makeup. Some people have red undertones, some people have green undertones, some people are going to have darker skin, some are going to have lighter skin. And those are things you have to think of when you're creating makeup lines. I feel like that's something that's often forgotten or you know, purposely forgotten is, oh, well, whatever, black women can figure it out. You know, they always have so that they'll just continue to do so. And, and no, that's not how it should be. We should be, I should be able to walk into Sephora, Ulta, CVS, wherever, find a shade for me that works for me, that doesn't make me look like a crazy person because it's not my shade, but there's not a middle shade in between these two that will fit me. I should easily, just as easily as anybody else, be able to walk into Sephora, grab my shade of foundation, grab my shade and concealer, and be able to make myself do, you know, make a, make my, make a face, make, like, make myself look good, make myself feel good. Like I shouldn't have to be fighting the system to be able to do what my, you know, white friends are able to do with ease. You know, that's just not, that's not how it should be built. That's not how the system should be built. I feel like people aren't asking the right questions and they're just assuming that, you know, if we just put something together, it'll suit everybody. But no, there, you have to think about how things are going to fit people differently. It's just inevitable, especially in the makeup industry. I think that's something that has to be thought about. And it's, you know, it's, it's increasing, you know, People are starting to think about that and things are starting to change. But even with that, it's not enough. There aren't enough people doing it. I think that it's something that needs to continue to happen. It needs to be continuously talked about um, within the industry. Granted, I don't really know makeup that well, so I could be completely you know, ignorant to it. But when I you know, recently started trying to understand makeup and I know when I went to the store, it was for me, I was like, I need somebody to help me with this. And I need somebody who understands 
my skin tone, who understands what I need for my face to help me work through all of these aisles and systems. And thankfully, there was a woman who could help me. And she, she, you know, she helped me understand what my, my skin tone and, my, and the colors underneath my skin what what that looks like but for a lot of people you don't get that you just you just walk to the store and you just buy something so i feel like for the everyday consumer that has to be an option everybody needs to be able to have an option for them to be able to go and purchase and go home with and that's just the way it has to be it's a non-negotiable i completely agree i feel like for too long you would think on an economic level like at the base level that appeals to companies black women have so much spending power so why are you yeah. not creating products that easily meet their needs. There's really like, if you want simple A plus B, if you want your business to make money, cater to clients that have the money. So many brands that I love and would love to support, but they have absolutely nothing that is in my shade range. The clothes don't fit me. The hair products don't work for me. It should just be simple math that it works out like that. And I'm tired of having to Google, oh, good hairstyles. And then having to, and then, oh, for black women because a Google search will just tell me like, oh yeah, like just straighten your hair like three times a day. And I'm like, do where, (laughs) where (laughs) do you have the time to go through this afro? I don't think so. So like, why are there not the same way other people can just Google things without having to like think as an aftertone, like does my skin color, does my race affect my options? It should be like that for us. Like we're people too, and we deserve to have the same, I guess, like equitable playing field, especially for when it comes to clothes, makeup, hair products, things like that, that for everybody else, it's not even a question that you would have to question like, oh, will this work for me? It makes you feel neglected in a way. Because I remember even growing up, I think like so many of us when we were younger, we were all into those little like online quizzes and like Disney Channel and all these fun little things. And I'd go online trying to find like the cutest new trend to like look cute in the school locker room or to look cute in the cafeteria. (laughs) And I'd scroll through everything and it's all just putting pink straight streaks in your hair and different styles for naturally wavy hair and wanting natural beach waves and bleaching your hair. And it's just makes you feel like you weren't meant to be in this playing field to begin with. Like there just isn't a section for you at all. And I think when it comes to hair, it's so complicated because you have the neglect from the white community and from the community of people who don't have curly hair. And then you have the colorism within the black community as well, which I think it starts plaguing you when you're very, very young in little microaggressions that you don't realize until you're a lot older, where the loose curls are so pretty. And if you have, are you familiar with like three ABC, four ABC type of like curl Mm -hmm. part? If there are listeners who don't really know what that is, there's a spectrum that helps define your curls. And I don't, I personally don't think it's inherently racist. It's just a way to identify what curl or coil pattern you have so that you can find products that work for you. But one is completely straight and four is like the tightest curls that you can have. And then one is straight, two is wavy, three is curly, four is coily. And then there's A, B, and C within all of those kind of getting curlier and curlier as you go along. And what I found, even with advertising in the media, if they want to represent a black woman, they'll get the black woman who has more 3C, 3B type hair. You know, it's always the looser curls, the longer hair that's appreciated. And it's sad because that's the hair that I think mainly attributes towards more Eurocentric beauty standards, where they'll say, okay, here we have a beautiful black woman. But if you dig deeper, are you saying she's beautiful because of her own features? Or is she beautiful because she's replicating features that you've been saying are beautiful for so long? And I'm not in the beauty industry. I don't think I could ever get into it. I do not know how to do my makeup. I can hardly do my hair. I don't know how to do anything. I am... I I just have a breakdown over how I don't know how to take care of myself. Like, I don't know how to do anything. But I think I would be a lot more encouraged to get into these things if I felt there was more love being thrown towards hair textures that aren't Eurocentric in the slightest. Because they're all beautiful. This isn't saying that wavy hair or curly hair isn't beautiful. It's saying that super coily hair is beautiful as well. Dreads are beautiful as well. 
sister locks, like all of these different styles that are constantly ignored or pushed to the side. But I've heard other people call my friends like, oh, they must be like potheads or stoners because they have locks. It's like, come on, come on. It just, it, it's old. It's old. It doesn't make any sense. We're at the point where we should be able to educate ourselves beyond strictly relying on what the media has perpetuated for so long, which is that the closer you are to your African heritage or the closer you are towards a more Afrocentric beauty, the further you are from what's accepted in society. And then it gets very messy because certain things that have been Afrocentric or that do have African roots get taken by women of other races and then it's seen as beautiful. I know you guys were talking about this earlier, but I think like hoops and jewelry are one of the biggest things for me where I don't know if it's controversial to say, but I don't really care who wears hoop. My problem is that you can't say it looks ghetto on a black woman and that it looks cute on a white woman. Mm-hmm. That's where it yeah. becomes a problem with anything, with nails, with the whole aesthetic, with street fashion, with a lot of these influencers trying to dress like they grew up in any sort of urban area when they grew up in like a mansion in Pasadena, probably. It doesn't, it just, it grinds my gears because it doesn't really make much sense to me how one thing can look beautiful on a certain type of woman and not on another woman. If the object or the piece of jewelry itself is beautiful, that beauty isn't restrained to Eurocentric features, you know? It should be appreciated by everyone. That being said, there are certain things like box braids and cornrows that do have such deep history in African heritage that they just shouldn't be worn by people who do not have that heritage. And I will stand by that, even though I know some people disagree. I think it's appropriation anytime you're taking something that has cultural significance and then just wearing it as a beauty standard. And that goes for any culture. I'm not gonna go take something from Chinese heritage that has deep rooted meaning and just wear it out on a night on the town. You know, it's not my place. It's not anyone's place to make a cultural item a piece of a costume. I think for us as Black women especially, hair is something that has been policed so hard, both within our community and without. I know so many of my friends from when they take them to get their hair relaxed chemically or like straightened, um, and they had that pressure from an early age that their natural hair wasn't acceptable that they needed to straighten it or relax it. I'm lucky my mom somehow like managed to preserve my natural hair. I don't know what to do with it now, but every like <laughs> week she would braid it and take care of it for me so that she always said that she wanted to deliver me to adulthood with a full hair, full head of hair on my head. So I never had to go through that natural process, but I saw so many of my friends and so many of my friends now who are embracing the natural hair movement, which is great. But then I also see all of these people that are non-Black taking the same styles that we're using to kind of embrace our natural hair, finally. Um, Kind of what you're saying, Alexis, about box braids and cornrows. And it's laughable to me that if I were to wear cornrows or box braids to work, um, I might get told that my hair is not professional or I Mm. might get seen like I'm not a proper businesswoman because my hair is not the way society deems professional hair should look. But Becky from Malibu can put, sorry to any Beckys from Malibu that are listening, but can put cornrows in her hair. And all of a sudden she's trendy, she's edgy, she's stylish, but something that for so long we were told that we couldn't wear because we didn't meet the standard. For you to take something that people have felt pain over and turn it to your fashion trend is completely unacceptable. I definitely agree with you 100%. Like my, my last intern before, cause I was a spring admin for my schools. So I had the fall semester to myself to work and I was working at Compass Realty, a real estate, big real estate firm in Manhattan. I was working with, you know, I was obviously the only black person in the entire office. Office has at least a hundred to 150 people in there a day. Only black intern and think I was the only black agent in the entire place. That's fine. I was working with, you know, a white woman and the boss was a white guy. And I remember I just got my hair done. I used to have my hair in a little ponytail, my natural hair. I used to slick it down. Then for the rest of summer, I was like, you know, I'm going to do box braids. I did my box braids. The amount of looks I get a day, it got to the point where I ended up, because it was short braids, I ended up putting the wig on instead 
because I felt so shamed. And now that I think back on it, I'm like, mm-hmm. why did I have to feel so shamed by people staring at me? And I remember when my boss, she had showed some some of her friends. She's like, oh, look, I did this really cute style. And I was like, she showed it to me. She's like, don't you think it's cute? And she had long blonde box braids. And I was like, I'm wearing long blonde box braids, but everyone's here looking at me like I'm an alien. Like I look like they treat me as if I'm from another world. I look completely weird. Even my body, my my body type, I'm I'm pretty pretty thick. I'm not really a straight person. I have chest, I have hips. So I would wear, you know, really tight pants so it was summertime. I'm not gonna wear really heavy jeans that used to stick with really like professional clothing and people one a couple of people would ask me they're like why is your hips like that like what do you do and I'm just like I was I was just born this way like I don't need people I hate when people ask me things about um, I'm completely natural for and there was one day the company had a little get together at the end of the summer to celebrate the earnings and a couple of people came with basically blackface they came with dark foundation I know she's she's a very fair person, but she came in this looking as dark as me. And I know for a fact that was not a tan. That was not a tan. Came in here and she was like, oh, don't you like how I look? Like they always want input on black culture from me, being as I was the only black person. Completely hated that. And it, it used to grind my gears, but I didn't, I would hold my tongue because I didn't want to lose my internship. I ended up still losing my internship due to an, um, a disagreement with my with my boss Judy because she she felt as if I was bothered I was questioning her too much stance on race she would say she was from the Bronx why can I wear like that's black culture and I was like poverty isn't black culture it's something systematic that we just happen mm-hmm. to be there just because you were poor doesn't mean that you can wear my clothes you can wear my hair and the same job People are bothering me for my hairstyle that I ended up feeling so shame. I had to conform to Eurocentric beauty. And I still lost my internship on racial tensions with you. I think one thing for me that when I was in high school, I dealt with a lot. Well, I never wear my hair out. I am a bun girl to the day I die. <laughs> I bun every single day. It does not matter. And my mom hates me for it. But you know what? It's what I, what I feel comfortable doing. Unless my hair is straightened. And when I was in high school, I, it would be like once a year. I would wear my hair out. One time in the entire school year. And people would always want to touch my hair. I don't know what it was about me wearing my hair out like everybody else does. <laughs> everybody else wears their hair out. I guess me having a huge afro. Like I have long hair. I know this. I live with it. But I guess it's something that's just so mesmerizing about my curly afro that it just has to be touched. And that was something I was always like, why am I some sort of figure to you, figurine that you just feel the need that you just wanted to look at and just stare at and admire and and touch? And and it always just made me feel awkward and and weird. And I, I was always like, please, you know, please don't touch my hair because I wouldn't ask you if I could touch your hair or just do it without asking. And it was just something that just made me feel almost like a statue in a museum, but not in a good way, like not revered in any way, but just because, you know, almost, I guess more so like a a zoo animal, which I mean, really, that's how I felt though. I felt like a zoo animal and people were just going to look at me and they just wanted to, you know, pet my hair and make me feel like I was a dog or something. And and I just absolutely hated that. When I had my hair, I would have my hair in twists every now and then. People would just want to like pull on them and watch them bounce. Mm -hmm. And, And I was always just like, these are just like pigtails. They're just like pigtails. Why do you have to touch them so badly? And the thing that always was interesting to me and something that I look at now, I always wonder how am I treated differently when my hair is straight versus when my hair is out and curly versus when I have a bun. And I can see the attention that I get from certain people. The you know when when my hair is straight, oh, I'm a completely different person. Oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. Oh my gosh, you mm-hmm. you look so good. Oh my gosh, and it's crazy to see how when my hair is you know, straight, and my hair is probably like goes you know to my elbow maybe when I'm standing up straight. And my hair is very long, and when it's straightened, people are just mesmerized and just they feel like I am just, I, I'm just so much more beautiful than when my hair is in a simple bun, like it is every day. Maybe because it's something different, 
But at the same time, I don't think that me having a bun should change anything about my value or my beauty because, you know, me having straight hair, okay, well, as soon as it touches water, it's like a mermaid. As soon as it touches water, <laughs> it's going right back to curly. I'm sorry to disappoint you. And yes, I sat in a salon chair for three hours to get this done. Yes, I did. Did I skip class? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> you don't know. But I just don't get why black. I, under, I, I appreciate people appreciating black hair. I love that. But ask questions about, I don't mind being questioned personally because I'm like, okay, and not in the terms of like appropriation, but questions as in like, how long did, did it take you to get your hair straightened? How long is that process? What is that like? You know, what is it like washing your hair? I know that's, you know, for me, a wash day for any black woman, that's the day. Exactly. <laughs> it's wash day. <laughs> I appreciate getting questions like that where people are curious and they want to know because they want to learn about a different culture. And that's great. Let's do that because that's what, you know, that's what life is all about, learning about different cultures and appreciating them for what they are. Not not necessarily appropriating them, but appreciating them and, and uplifting them when the people of that culture do or practice or, you know, talk and have a discourse within their own cultural space. And I love that. But at the same time, you can ask me questions and not touch me. You can inquire and not make me feel like I have more worth or less worth because of the hair on top of my head. Either way, I'm Jaren, period. It doesn't matter if my hair is down in my butt. It doesn't matter if my hair is out to the sides. It doesn't matter if it's on top of my head. It doesn't matter. And so I think that's something that I've really started to notice as I get older is, hmm, you weren't really talking to me two weeks ago. Oh, but now my hair is straight and now all you want to do is have conversation. Interesting. And and I just, I think that that's something a lot of people don't have to deal with is the treatment um, that you get when your hair is different. And, and same thing with professionalism. Naomi brought this up as, you know, having, you know, box braids or, you know, wearing your curly hair out. Mm, that's a little bit, you know, Having locks in the office. Sometimes that, that people perceive that as quote unquote unprofessional. So then my question is, well, what do you want me to do? Would you like me to shave my head? Would you like to pay for my appointment at a salon to get my hair straightened? Because if so, add that into my paycheck if that's what the requirement is. Because I'm just being me, baby. <laughs> I'm just gonna come to the office looking like me. And that's all, period. Therefore, you're gonna have to take it for what it is because it's my hair. I'm paying for it. It's my beauty standard. It's what I wanna do with my body. So you should just let it be. I'm not coming in here with ripped jeans i'm not coming in here with flip-flops on or walking in naked so let's just appreciate my culture appreciate the hair that's on top of my head and move on it's not going to break a deal because i have a bun or i have box braids or i have lock people who really want to be a part of this business whatever business it is are not going to you know make or break a deal over the hair that i have on top of my head that's a, that's a problem because then we're then we can say okay well that's a really racist way to to act if the reason why you don't want to have a conversation with me is because of my hair because my hair is curly or my hair is in box braids what is what does that say about you in the way that you perceive black beauty then because mm -hmm. there's a different standard that you have and that's a problem that really plagues the racial lines we're dealing with today and that's something that needs to be addressed because you know if we can't get past hair there are so many other features so many other characteristics and parts of beauty that are different for black women. And I feel like, you know, hair in your body are the most nat or, or the natural born pieces. And, and that's something that is the first thing that you see. And I feel like people need to understand that I'm not gonna change for you. You wouldn't change for me. So why is the expectation that I change for you? And I feel like black women are always, always having to play in other people's expectations. And that just shouldn't be anymore. That's just, that's not what it should be. If we really want to work towards anti-racism, we really want to live in this anti-racist society, the standards should be the same overall for everyone. It shouldn't change because my skin is darker or my hair is curlier. No, that's not how that works because then you're still living with those race lines and that racist society. Definitely. I want to talk about professionalism more because... Mm. There is so much gaslighting that goes into policing professional appearances. And what I've noticed is that a lot of people won't come out straightforward and say, oh, you have braids? Uh-huh, unprofessional. It's too much. It's too, too eccentric, too ghetto. Yet, like Jaren was saying, if I show up with straightened hair, I'm just looked at differently. I'm talked to differently. And then if you try to talk to a person in that office or in that space about it, the first thing they'll say is, oh no, I would never judge you by your hair. I would never judge you by what you're wearing or by what you look like. And it makes you feel like you're the one going crazy in the entire situation. And that's mm -hmm. why I love talking to other Black women about this because it reminds me that I'm not just going crazy with it because I'm in the STEM fields and I've been going to science fairs since freshman year, I think, ever since I started my research originally. And even though... 
it was never clear cut and said, don't show up with cornrows into a ponytail or don't show up with fresh twists. There was always this feeling I'd get where I knew that I'd be better perceived and listened to in a different light if I looked a certain way. And that certain way was usually blending in more with what's considered professional and what's considered respectable. And I don't want to say tame, but I feel like Black women's hair, sometimes it's almost viewed as wild, even if it's clearly not. Like if my- Almost like Black women. (laughs) (laughs) Someone said it. It's like if my ponytail is- a bit more curly and goes out a bit more because I just washed my hair and it's a giant afro. I don't understand how that's more wild than like a white woman's ponytail that might be a little bit frizzy. It's a ponytail, you know, like no one's hair is wild or unwild. And to go back to the gaslighting, people try to say, oh, well, there has to be a line. There has to be a line to what's professional and what's not. And I agree, but that doesn't come down to what someone naturally looks like. There's a difference, like Jaren was saying, between showing up to an interview in slides, sweats, and a tank top, and showing up in professional attire. I believe that there is professional attire. I mean, like, suits exist for a reason. There are all these different clothes that are more better suited towards a professional environment. But I don't think hair should really have anything to do with that, especially since that's not something that you can change. Well, you can straighten your hair, but it's not something that you can change quickly. It's not something that you can change naturally. It's not something you can change easily. When I wake up in the morning, I have the option of whether I'm putting on dress pants or a mini skirt. I don't have the option of my curl texture. That's just how my hair looks. That's how I was born. That's how it manifests when it gets wet, when it's humid outside. Oh my gosh, the horror stories of thinking you straighten your hair to look nice for some fair or something, and then it's the middle of the summer, and then it's really humid (laughs) outside, and your ponytail does not look like that perfectly straightened ponytail. Yeah. Quick story time, since I'm thinking about summer. A few summers ago, maybe a lot of summers ago, I was pretty young. I went to the Erie County Fair because I'm from Buffalo, New York. Oh, we forgot to say where we were from in our intros, but we're going to do something anyway. But I'm from Buffalo, which is in Erie County in New York State. And there's a big state fair every summer. And you know the guys that always sit in the dunk booths and they try to, like, aggravate the crowd so that you'll pay to throw at them? Yeah. I was walking by with some friends. I think they were, like, majority white. Or at least I was with like a group of like white girls who were my friends. And he said, hey, girl with the horse tail for the ponytail. Hey, girl with the the horse extensions. I know. I know. And I was like, don't do it, Alexis. Don't do it, Alexis. Don't say anything. Do not give that man your money. But to think that I even remember that. And it was like one statement. And I was really young. I was probably like 14 years old. And people will say, oh, it's just a joke. Don't be too sensitive towards it. And... I mean, that man wasn't trying to come for my whole existence, but that mindset, to know that that's in the back of someone's mind, I don't think that's only in his head when he's sitting at that dunk booth. And I don't, I think notions like that are constantly playing in the back of people's heads. And maybe it's just me going crazy. I don't know. But ever since then, I'm always thinking, oh, Even if I do straighten my hair, it's just going to look like a horse ponytail because that's what that guy told me when I was 14 years old. And then you go on TV and you see a lot of these media figures and whenever a black woman has, is whenever a black woman is portrayed as the love interest and she has this gorgeous, long, straightened black hair that's just not kinky in any way, shape, or form. And it's just so gorgeous and luscious and blows in the wind, like Naomi was talking about before. And it starts so young. And to think that people don't have a problem saying something like that to little girls, it makes me think of how many times that's happened to so many black girls across the country where their hair is mocked in its natural form, just because of how it is. I feel that a hundred percent. Like I, I don't want to add like another story time when I was, um, 
and I was in high school, I, from my architecture project, we had to present our design to a Long Island city company. So this, and the citizens of like Long Island city in Queens, New York, I'm from New York city, by the way, I live in Brooklyn. So I was there, it's a big old um, studio and my group member, I don't want to, I'm not going to name his name, but he, he's white. And he was, he had asked me, as I was also one of the head designers for the like draft things, he was like, um, he's like, are you really going to present like that? Like, can't you make your hair neat? And mind you, I had my natural hair with a ponytail, like a puff pony, puff low ponytail. And I was like, um, you think I could change my hair? Like we have five minutes to present. And just like thinking back to all the things that he's also said to me, like he was a close friend of mine until recently. Cause I just, now thinking about it, he used to ask me a lot of questions like for my hair. Like when I had, there was one time I came to school with straight hair, a straight wig. I hated it. I don't know why, but I, I just didn't take to it. I hated it. I didn't like how I look. It just, it wasn't something that framed my face and I just really didn't like it. And the amount of comments I got everyone, oh, you look so pretty. Oh, they're like, oh, some people are like, oh, I like this one. Because I used to change my hair pretty often every two to three months. He's like, oh, I like your hair. You look so pretty. The amount of comments I get. But as soon as I take that out, it's, oh, you're back in that hair. It's like comments like those. It's like really small microaggressions. It really gets to you sometimes. That's also why I, I really try to go into the beauty industry, at least just for just for a hobby because it helps me personally to redefine myself because I've always thought I was going crazy. I was like, I, I would swear when I tell people, they're like, oh, they're my, the common line people will tell me is, oh, you took it out of context. You're overreacting. Why can't you just, why can't you just take a joke? Like, I'm tired of it. That's not a joke. It comes, a joke is if you say something funny, funny, that's not funny. That's completely ignorant. And you need to recognize right. that and change that. I'm tired of having to sit down and explain myself. Some people are like, oh, why can't you change it? Like, your hair has been like that for a month. Why can't you change it? If you want me to change it so bad, give me the money so I can go to my hairdresser because that's at least seven to eight hours for me in the chair. Right. I think that, too, with the whole, like, it's a joke. I, I mean, two things for that. One, how would you feel if somebody made fun of your hair? Just because it was. Not even, there's not even really a because, but just, just because it was what it was. Just because it's curly and and that's a joke. How is I don't I don't understand how that's a joke because you're making fun of my appearance and that's my second thing is you know you're bullying me about something that I can't change. I can't help that. It's just the way that unfortunately <laughs> I was born with, and that's just what it is. And I think always having to feel like you have to live up to this perfect standard is so hard. I know for me, growing up and even now, not being able to do a lot of hairstyles like my my sister she's younger than me she's 18 and she loves doing hair she loves doing hairstyles doing braids twists xyz whatever for me it's like I wash my hair I get out I put it in a bun maybe I'll braid it and maybe I won't I, I just I don't like messing with a lot of stuff and for me it was always really hard because and not to throw my mom under the bus I love my mother to the day I die she's the best woman in the world but I always have this pressure of okay your edges have to be perfect you just, you have to put your bun up, you know, your kitchen is looking a little bit, for those who don't know, your kitchen is like the back, the bottom back of your hair. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, it has to be brushed up perfectly. You need to slick everything down. You know, you can't have any flyaways because that even, this is just going to school, like not going to an interview, not going to a performance. No, this is just walking in the front door of my middle school. Um, and that always put a lot of pressure on me to just always feel like I needed to look perfect. And if I didn't, I wasn't good enough. And I think that was her way of trying to not let anybody discount me for being a black woman and trying to find little things to nitpick me about and finding things to say I'm not good enough because of my edges aren't together. I look, you know, I look like I don't really have it together at home or, or whatever racially charged comment would come out of somebody's mouth because I didn't look pristine. And I, so I, you know, now looking back, I can see that and reconcile with that and, 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 and understand where that fear and worry um, came from. But when I was a kid, it really, it really did damage me because I just always felt like I can't do my hair because I can't get it perfect. I can't, I can't do anything with my hair. I don't understand what this product is. It just, and it was just so overwhelming for me because there's, you know, there's so many standards for us and there's so much we have to live up to. 
And as I've gotten older, I've been able to really be patient with myself and say, you know what, you just want to do a bun. You don't want to do all the twists and all, all, all of the, you know, the braids and things. That's okay. Everybody has their own pathway to do things. And that's okay. Do your bun, girl, and be happy with it. But um, it just makes it hard because there's this, you know, for Black women, it's, you have to be perfect at all times. You don't have a choice. Um, you don't get to have flyaways. You don't get to, you know, look a little crazy um, or, you know, have your hair, you know, coming outside of your head just because, you know, you threw it up real quick and you just had to jump out of the car. You, you can't just throw your hair up real, real quick. It has to be, you know, you have to put in the product. You have to brush it down. You have to put it up. Put on a headband if you're not gonna, you know, put gel on your head. Just put on a headband. Put on a bandana. Make it look like, you know, you've got it together. You can't just, you know, run out the door and, and you know, just throw your hair up in a ponytail. It, it, it's just not what it is. And um, unfortunately, that's the standard that, you know, we that people have set in the U.S. and I'm sure in the world um, that black women have to look perfect at all times. And if you don't, you look oh my gosh, you look so trashy, girl, you look ratchet, you look busted, you just, oh my gosh, and it's like, there's just a, it's like a switch is flipped, um, and all of a sudden, you know, you don't, oh, it looks like you probably just don't have the money to get your hair done, oh, you look like you just, are you okay, are things okay at home, is your, you know, are you, and, and it's always, you know, dramatic reasonings for why I have a flyaway here or there, or why my hair just looks lazy, it's because I haven't washed it in days, because it takes me four hours to wash it, you know, it's just, it's not as easy as you may think, and again, I just think that that treatment, we have to understand, and I'm glad we're having this conversation, where we can begin to understand that, you know, our processes are different, and that's okay, but we shouldn't have different standards for people who look different than us. The standard should be the same. Black women, you know, you ha- you held us to you hold us to this higher standard, but our beauty is still below the actual standard. Mm-hmm. You want us to look perfect, but even our perfect isn't enough. Mm-hmm. And right. that's something that I think we yeah. just have to understand that that's not okay. We can't keep doing this because we're damaging you know, little black girls, there's, there's a video and, and I'm going to butcher it and I'm sorry, but there's a video of this little black girl and her mom or her older sister is brushing up her hair. Yeah. And she says, she says something along the lines of, you know, I look ugly or yeah. I'm not pretty. And mom takes a minute. Um, and it's just like, you are beautiful. No matter what people tell you, you are beautiful. And, and the little girl's probably five. If even not younger, yeah, yeah, five or four, and for her to already be harboring the fact that she is not the standard and she is not pretty enough, that is such a problem. And and she's, you know, she's barely seen a lot of life. She shouldn't be able to already understand that or to already realize that the standards are different for us. She shouldn't be able to be. She shouldn't be dealing with that. And she is, and and hopefully, you know, I don't know her personally, but hopefully, she is now seeing that she is beautiful, no matter what she looks like, no matter what her hair looks like. But you know, it's it's engraved in us so young, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's not the same for everybody, and and that's why a lot of us have problems with you know learning our hair and understanding our hair and feeling like our hair is enough because people and people make us feel like it never will be. Mm-hmm. I think now, like especially. Like, I'm glad we're having this conversation because it does help me realize, like, we're, we all have had different experiences, but we can unite over these common things. But I think, like, it's so important for Black women, especially, to realize that, yes, like, to let the world do whatever. Like, they have these crazy standards that we don't necessarily live up to, but that it's okay because we in ourselves are enough. Like, I think it's so important to push that internal self-validation among each other as Black women, to uplift your friends, to tell them that they're beautiful, to tell yourself that you're beautiful, that your hair is beautiful, that your body is beautiful, no matter what. Um, And just start breaking those kind of like external chains because we live in a world that really is not meant for us to live in and it sucks to admit that and it's hard to hear but if you keep trying to seek validation from a world that doesn't want you you're never going to find it so it's really up to us amongst ourselves and to ourselves to really build up that idea that black women can be beautiful in any shapes, any sizes, any forms, any hair texture. And then we'll be able to be like, no, 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 like you're beautiful because she probably herself came to the same conclusion um, that we're coming to now, which is that we really have to 
be there for ourselves and we have to like take care of ourselves in that way. I definitely agree with you guys. Like, um, like I say, like for the standard of beauty, like in the U.S., different from the Caribbean, like my family, they're from Trinidad. And so my mom told me when, when she was in Trinidad, you know, every, you know, everyone is mainly black or even if you're not black, it's Indian. There wasn't, there wasn't really like standards on, you know, beauty. Everyone kind of had the same complexion. There wasn't really that. She's like, she didn't really face colorism until she came here. And my mom was telling me actually just the other day when I was doing her nails, she was like, you know, I'm actually really glad at where you are now because you, she was like, not too long ago, I had to say I had to sit here and watch you cry because the way she's like she's like how she's like it, it disrespected her and she felt shame because she has to watch and see her own daughter her own daughter she gave life to hate herself for the skin that she was born in my mom said my mom said she she's like you hated your skin you hated your hair she's like you like you like nothing about yourself and that is completely based on what society put on you she's like I'm really glad that now. You're standing up for yourself, but she's like, that was heartbreaking to 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 see, you know, as a black mom, you know, she has to watch her, make sure her son is safe from police officers and make sure her daughter is safe from society and not the weight of society and Eurocentric beauty to crash down on people. It, I know some girls who are my age and they're still like considered, you know, too white for the black community because they choose to adopt into this your eccentric beauty. They keep their hair straight. They make sure and get it relaxed every every two weeks. They don't. They make sure they don't have any flyaways. It's, just, it's really crazy how the way standard of beauty here in America is versus like in the Caribbean is really different too. Yeah, that's so interesting. I didn't know that um, myself. I think it looks like we're coming up on the end here. I think one thing that I want to ask everybody is what is one thing that we would all share as a either a piece of advice or just a word to young black girls black women in this community on beauty standards and and, and how we fit into the society does anybody have like a i feel like everybody maybe could share a piece of advice um from something that we've dealt with or you know something that's helped us along the way to get to where we are now i would say for any like my the, like young viewers listening to this podcast like don't like, don't be like me and go on google and googling like beautiful beautiful woman or the beauty standards you have you, you should search for those answers within yourself because you really can't at the end of the day how you feel and how you need validation from yourself before anyone else and that's on period <laughs> i guess i would say it's kind of in a similar light learn to be your own judge learn to seek validation from within yourself while being able to appreciate the input of those that you love. Because we're not saying to become completely vain and think that you're, oh my gosh, like the hottest, whatever in the world. But especially for younger listeners or even for older listeners, I know that there are still a lot of things that I need to make peace with within myself dealing with instances that have happened in like middle school and high school it's okay to be upset about something. You're not a stereotype or an angry black woman or out of place for being upset over something that happened to you. And you're not going crazy for thinking that something didn't make you comfortable. You don't have to take everything and turn the other cheek. You don't have to. There are certain times where sometimes it's best to speak your mind and speak your truth. And honestly, I think that's all the time. Like always speak your truth. You don't have to constantly be on defense, but there's also nothing wrong with defending yourself if you feel the need to do so. I would say you are enough. Set your own standard. You don't necessarily, you will not necessarily fit in with other people. You will not necessarily act the way that other people think you're going to act. But as long as you know 100% who you are, and you can stand on that, no one can take that from you. If you know your identity and you know who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in, and what you want yourself to be, at the end of the day, that's what's important. That's what remains. And the world will try so hard to shake you off that pedestal. But if you know who you are and you can accept that, and you can accept that you might be different in a world that doesn't want to accept that, then you found yourself and that's beautiful. Yeah, I think I would say your voice is valid. Um, what you feel is valid. Um, I think that 
something a lot of us question and or have is imposter syndrome and believing that, oh, we don't belong in this room. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have said that. And I think as as women, but specifically Black women, any room you enter, your voice should be heard. It will be heard. Don't try to filter yourself. Don't try to change who you are because you're in a room um, that may not look like you or feel like you. Your voice is valid at all times. And people should appreciate you for that. Speak your truth no matter what, because at the the end of the day, that's up to you. Your words are where you get your power and those should be valued by everyone. And my last thing would be just, you're beautiful. No matter what people try to tell you, no matter what the standard says, you are beautiful. People love you and you should love yourself because at at the end of the day, you are the best you that you can be. And you should be proud of that and how far you've come, no matter what you've dealt with, no matter how far you have to go. Love yourself in every step of the way because it's all a journey and it should all be appreciated no matter how hard, how great. It's all you and we should love you for you. Yeah. And always be kind to yourself. Thank you everybody for listening. We have enjoyed having these honest fireside chats with you about race, about beauty, about everything being black thank you for letting us be vulnerable and we hope that you take these conversations into your everyday and use these to learn more about what it's like being black in america and how you can be a better ally and be truly anti-racist in this world 